Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Well, you're able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Around in front. Score! Tamu Solani with the steal. Three of the fans won one. All right, everybody, we're back, and we're, what, 11 days away from the Ducks' home opener, so we're back with our season preview, one of our one of my favorite episodes of every year when we get into it, because we, we talk about some of the division rankings and everything as well, but we got a couple preseason games under the belt to get into. We're going to project the roster, look at some of the top storylines for this year, so not bad. It's good to be back, guys, with uh, some actual hockey on the horizon. <laughs> I love it, man. I, I'm stoked for the season. Um, preseason games have been kind of whatever, but it's just fun to go to them. You know, I don't really care the outcome on those. They do a shootout every night at Honda Center. I don't know if they're doing that across the league, but that's what they were doing there. So we got to see some moves, even though the Ducks got slaughtered in the last preseason game against the Sharks. Who cares? Is that pre-season. the one you went to, the, the one they lost 3-1? <clears throat> no. Um, wait, wait, wait. Was, was that on – was that Wednesday? Uh, they yeah. played the 26th and 29th. They played Tuesday and Friday, I believe. Well, Friday was yesterday, dude. Which was the first. Oh, I'm they looking at Monday. October. I'm looking at October. My bad. Yeah, they played They played the, the Coyotes on Wednesday. So you went to that one. They lost 4-1. No, so I went to the Sunday game against the Sharks where the Ducks won 6-3, and then I went to the Thursday game um, ah, okay. against the Sharks again. So and they lost that one, but it's just fun to be back in Honda Center, man. It's a good time. It's nice, especially when you get nice seats from friends. So that's always helpful too. <laughs> How's that? What's the atmosphere like there? Like, I mean, I I would expect it to be excitement because hockey's back in the building, but obviously, like <laughs> the Sunday, there was a lot of people right there. 
Sunday was cool. There was a lot of people there. It was a good time. Um, obviously not capacity. No, that's, this is Anaheim. Let's not forget. But on Thursday, it was like yeah, about half the people that were there. So it's fun though, man. I, I could care less. I just, I just like to uh, get back and watch the games. And, you know, I got to do the little bit of, um, of the training camp last weekend too. So that was fun. Uh, to see some of those kids come out on the ice, and they're doing it differently this year. They had like a get or no, they had like a Solani team, a Korea team, and Edomire team. So you didn't get to see everybody yeah, at I once. Saw that. So still cool, but uh, those are the teams they put on the ice. They didn't just like mix the team together and then oh, this was like oh, Solani's team plays or Korea's team's playing this preseason game. It's just it was interesting the way they're doing it this year. Yeah, so one thing I noticed is um, at least from preseason game one and two, it was completely different rosters other than i think lucas dostal is like the only the only consistent or uh, presence from both games like the forward group were all different none of the same guys uh for game one and game two the defense score was all different it was just dostal was the only guy in there and then i think for game three it was the same lineup as uh game one just a few swap outs like golod came in and uh i think I think, yeah, and then Gibson came in and Brendan Gooley came in. So a few guys came in. But, yeah, it seems like they're splitting the squads at least in, until they make a first or second round of cuts. Yeah, I think that's the idea. I think they just want to figure out what they're doing and, and maybe trying to develop a little bit of chemistry and keeping guys together and see if that kind of maybe helps them out going into the regular season. But, again, yeah, it's just preseason. Sam Carrick got in a fight. That was fun. Um, didn't do too well, but got in a fight. It was a good time. Yeah, the, then the, the Ducks got bullied into streaming the game, too. <laughs> the first one was only on radio. And then uh, the Phoenix game was supposed to only be on radio. And then everybody was asking for a stream. So they bring a stream up. But it was just that game was awful. I think the audio cut out halfway through just was not not good. But they had a stream for the last one for the game. They lost 3-1 against San Jose. and it, Or that one was on TV, I think. Yeah, I think that one was on Valley Sports. So then that one was actually legitimate one which was nice to see but it's nice, it's nice to see the guys back and some some guys are stepping forward obviously the last two games they lost 3-1 to san jose and 4-1 to phoenix so not a lot of standout performances i think daniel regan scored the only goal against the coyotes and then benoit Levey group picked up his second goal of the preseason a shorthanded goal against the sharks but it was really that first game where they won 6-3 where you saw some more individual performances. Milano had two assists. Uh, Terry, Kern, and Volkov had a goal and an assist. Lucas Dostal played pretty good. He played half the game, stopped 13 of 14. So we're getting to see some of the guys. I mean, Dostal's likely not going to get much action this year as long as Stolars and Gibson are healthy. But Milano is a guy on the outside looking in and pretty good performance in game one. Didn't look too bad in game two. And obviously Volkov as well, right? He's trying to find a spot for him. And he's played with Steele and Perot so far, but that doesn't really seem like a line that's going to last past training camp or past preseason. Like Perot probably doesn't make the roster, so it, it kind of feels like a spare line. But you've had two solid lines that I think are what the Ducks are going to start the opening season with, which is Zegris, Comtois, Raquel, and Getzlaff, Milano, Terry. That kind of seems like the, what would be the Ducks' top six going into this year. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense just based on, you know, who's on the team and, and who has, for lack of a better way to say it, like has earned an opportunity to play those top six minutes. Um, you know, like you said, I don't think Perot's going to stick around, but I think it makes a lot of sense to play 
that Volkov Steel Pro line in the preseason. You know, you put Steel with a guy like Volkov who can kind of go into the corners, go to the front of the net. Pro, obviously, we know what he's going to do. He's going to shoot the puck. He's a little bit of a a playmaker as well. And it just puts Steel on an opportunity to where it's like, yo, dude, you got to figure it out. Like, if if you want to, if you really want to be around, like, these are the kind of guys that you're going to need to be able to be productive with. This is a guy who can score and a guy who can go get you the puck. The rest of it's up to you. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it goes. Um, you know, this is a huge year for Sam Steele and among other guys. But I think for Sam Steele, this is a really, you know, with Carrick and Gruel and uh, McTavish and stuff, you know, not too, too far away. I think uh, there's a lot of reasons for Sam Steele to feel real pressure for the season. You guys Mostly because he's been not good. Like, yeah, yeah no, he's for just sure. not been good at all. It, he's, what was it last year? He couldn't score a goal off his own stick. Like, he <laughs> yeah, just had so many problems, man. Off the knee, off the foot for a while there. Um, but yeah, like, it, it feels like every other line after this is kind of, I don't want to say the spares, because I think Volkov and even Perot to some extent have a better shot at making the roster than Vinny Letary and uh, Buddy Robinson and Bryce Kindop, who were the third and fourth line wingers for game one. Same with Daniel Regan and Tobias Reeder, who's on a PTO. Like, I, I think Perot even, but definitely Volkov, have a better shot at making the lineup than those guys. But obviously, come to one's egress are going to play together. I think the, the most surprising thing for me was to see Terry come off that line. Because that was the Ducks, clearly the, the Ducks' best line to finish last year was come towards Egress and Terry. And I think we all kind of expected them to be together on the Ducks' top line for the start of the year, or at least in training camp. And at some point, they decided they wanted to switch it up, and Ricard Raquel played with Egress and Comtois. Now, it was only one game, so that could change. And Terry's not even in that side of the, the camp. But you would think if they wanted to play come towards Egress and Terry together, they would play together. So it's a bit surprising to see Raquel there. But, hey, I mean, it's a contract year for him. He needs a big year, especially if the Ducks want to move him for, you know, some assets for the future. And what better way to do that than play him with your, arguably, your two best players, right? Uh, that's a, a thing you could say, sure. Um, <laughs> what's, your, I, what's your reason against me, what he said? That's an unco- I... <sighs> I, I don't know that at this point, Comtois and Zegers are the two best players on the team. I have a hard time. I think they are the two I most mean, promising young forwards. Led the Ducks in scoring last year. Which is incredibly exciting that he did that with seven points. Um, no, I just, I, I get what you're saying. But I think, you know, I think you were right when you said putting Raquel with Zegers makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, he can score. He can play make. I mean, almost every year he's been within two or three uh, of the same total of goals and assists. You know what I mean? Playing him with a guy like Zegers who can get him the puck in positions to score is going to be huge. You know, and uh, having a guy like Comtois around who can get to the dirty areas and go to the front. And, you know, I mean, we saw last year he didn't leave like five feet from the crease and put up 10 goals or 13 goals or whatever it was. Um, so, so wait, so who's, like, who's, who are the top two players on this team then outside? You can't, if, you, if you're not going to pick a goaltender, because that's the obvious to say that he's probably the best player on the team. Um, who, who would you pick on this team that's better than Comtois and Zegers? Uh, Lindholm is better than both of them. I was talking strictly forwards. To, to, if you're doing forwards, 
if you're doing forwards, I can see that. I think, I mean, I still think Getzloff's better just based on uh, ability to impact a game. I think night overnight, I don't know that he's going to be able to sustain that high level. Obviously, he's getting older and, you know, we've seen his numbers, his production kind of fall. But, like, I think the thing for the Ducks is, like, they don't really know who those guys are yet. They know who they expect to be those guys, but until they show up, like, you know, they're... There's every reason to be confident in Zagreus. It's just wait and see at this point. Um, but, you know, playing Raquel with it makes a lot of sense. He's going to get him the puck. And hopefully, you know, he kind of juices his numbers a little bit heading into December. And, you know, that month or two leading into the trade deadline is is good for him. I mean, I think the best thing for Anaheim right now is Ricard Raquel goes out this year and makes a case for him to be on the Swedish national team. Because that Olympic, you know, buzz will get him in trade conversations so yeah there's not much i would argue i would change about those top two lines i'm actually okay with henrik and silverberg if they were outside the top six and the only action we've seen them in uh lindestrom centered silverberg and henrik with henrik out on left wing like i would i would be fine that's a great line that yeah I'd, i'd be fine with that like if you want that to be i don't know if it's going to be but if you wanted that to be your shutdown line like i could see that mm-hmm. i think all of them kind of possess the same two-way ability and, and defensive responsibility in their game so i could see that i i mean obviously we need come to with zegris just the chemistry we've seen not only last year but in the rookie tournament and and also in preseason so far like you kind of have to have those guys together and i can understand why maybe you've shifted Raquel there instead of Terry like we've tried Raquel Getzlaff for so long and it just really hasn't got back to what it was before and if you're looking to spark something out of Ricard Raquel and whether it be you know selfishly to trade him or or just to try and generate some offense that that clearly hasn't been there across the lineup then it makes sense and and I think we've seen Getzlaff with Terry enough that they work well together and they play off of each other and Milano's still a guy that I'd like to see what he can do. Like injured a lot last year, didn't play mm-hmm. too many games. And the small sample size we've seen him play, it's usually with Getzlaff, and he's played well with Ryan Getzlaff and did in the first game where he had two assists. And, you know, him and Terry seem to work pretty well together. And if Getzlaff can be kind of the anchor of that line and it gives Milano and Terry some more freedom offensively to get things done, that could be an interesting combo. So I'd be, I'd be fine with it. There really isn't anybody else on this roster that I would argue should jump right into that top six. Like I I'm perfectly fine with Henrik and Silverberg being third line forwards for this year. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I think putting them on either side of Lundstrom makes a lot of sense, you know, Um, as much as we saw, you know, the hat trick and stuff like that from Lundstrom last year, you know, with a little bit more offensive upside, it still makes a lot of sense to try to develop him into that third line role. And if the offense comes, that's great. But Playing him with Silverberg and Henrik makes a lot of sense to me. I think that's that's a solid third line. If that's kind of what ends up being the third line this year, I don't have a problem with that. And, you know, I I think at this point, he's ahead of Steele, who would be the other guy you would maybe play between those two. Um, so, I don't know. We can let Pat This is This is the next step year, is what I was going to say. The next, this is the next step year, I feel like, for all these kids. This is, we're really going to yeah. see where yeah. the talent lies. <laughs> They don't really have any any of these uh, these skilled guys now to carry this, the load anymore. We're at that point. We saw kind of break down the past few years. Now we're at the point where we're not going to see Getzloff at the top line. I don't think. I don't think he should be there anymore. 
I think he's safer mm-hmm. lower in the lineup, which is fine. And he, he said he's comfortable with that. This is a make or break year. I, seriously, for all these guys, we're really going to figure out where this farm is, uh, has been developing or where they're at with developing rather and what the Ducks really need to do. Um, I mean, they, they, they have Zegers pegged to hit just under 60 points this year. That would be fantastic if he's able to do that. And if he's doing mm-hmm. that, what does that mean for the other guys? I mean, I feel like that's going to that's gonna lift other people up too. If he's putting up 60, I mean, what does that mean for Comtois? What does that mean uh, for Lundestrom? What does that mean right, for yeah. guys like Steele and Terry? And if, as much as I – it's not that I dislike Steele. I just feel like he's so misused on this team. Um, and he makes a lot of mistakes. It'd be nice if he cleaned up his mistakes and was a bottom six guy. No problem at all. We need everyone needs that guy. We say that every year on so many podcasts. You need you need the lower part of the lineup to be, you know, steady at least. He just hasn't been that. Um, yeah, but, I think for these young guys too, like the guys we keep bringing up here in Milano and Volkov and Steele and even Lindstrom to some extent, like those are the four guys out of some of the kids here who I think are really still fighting for their spot. And it, and it all kind of works out in the sense that they're also in contract years, right? They're all ex- heading into a restricted free agency after. So the Ducks do still have some control there, but you don't have to bring them back. You know, you don't have to sign them. You have that control where you don't, you have to worry about them being unrestricted free agents, but it's a big year for Volkov to really prove that he can be a contributor on this team. Same with Milano, fully healthy season. Can he stick around in the top six? Sam Steele, has to really prove himself. Lindstrom might be a bit safer than the other three. He's a couple years younger than uh, Steele and about three or four years younger than Milano and and Volkov. And I think, you know, there's a certain role on his team for him where he doesn't need to produce offensively. But specifically for Steele, Milano, and Volkov, there are now players below them that are waiting in the wings to come up. And one guy who's had a good preseason and had a good rookie tournament, Benoit Olivier Grew is a guy that could, you know, maybe doesn't start the year with the Ducks, but if Milano doesn't work out and if Volkov isn't playing well, if Sam Steele doesn't do well, like, Gru's a guy who can play wing or center. He can come up and really replace any of those guys, and if he continues to play well, he could win a spot from them. And another guy we haven't even talked about because he hasn't been playing in preseason yet, I'm not sure why, I haven't really seen any updates, is Max Jones. He's a guy that we, I think, all assume will make the opening night roster. And wherever he plays, that remains to be seen because we've already talked about really three lines that seem solidified. So could he be a fourth line guy? Could he take out Milano or Volkov if they don't play well? He's another guy that could get in there. So you've got Jones and Grew. And if McTavish comes back and can play pretty well, if, you know, I don't know how many games he'll be healthy to play in preseason. The Ducks have four left. You know, Murray has talked about him potentially being a guy they could get a look at depending on how well he does. So he's another guy that could come in and, and potentially take a spot from a Volkov or a Milano or a Steele, at least for, you know, a seven game trial. And if he impresses, who knows, right? So it's, it's a lot of pressure on those guys to, to produce this year and take a step forward. I mean, Jones played the second game, right? Against Phoenix in the loss. Oh, he did. Yeah, you're right. So he played. Yeah, he right did play. Um, and they said that he separated himself a lot. I mean, Eakins came out and said that he, he Basically, he stood out a lot on that game. I believe his quote was like something about the other guys just being pretty vanilla, where Jones was able to step up and, and uh, show that he wants to play and compete. Um, that's <laughs> I really hope he takes the next step, too. I mean, we haven't. I, it's funny. I, like, how come I did not think of his name? Maybe because I haven't seen enough of him this in the preseason games I went to or watched. But, yeah, I would really like to see that guy 
um, just have a breakout year too. We've been talking about him for years now. Super good guy. Um, so I just, I don't know. I like that player a lot. And, uh, do you guys, do you guys see him ever getting above a bottom six role or do you see him able to inch up into that top six at all, even though it's crowded? Uh, it, it's so tough. Cause I think he like has the skills to do it. I just don't know if the consistency is going to be there. Like, I, I definitely think he's a guy you could put on a top line to play a certain role and he'll do well. You know, you know, Pat Maroon was a type of guy like that, right? Where he's not a top line player, but you could put him on the top line with certain guys, and he just fit, and he, you know, played his role to perfection and, and allowed more space for the other guys that he was playing with. I think sure. Max Jones could be a guy like that. Is he ever going to be a twenty goal scorer, fifty point guy? I, I don't think so, but I like him as a third line energy forward who maybe you can put in that front on power play too. And, and he can contribute here or there. Like I, I still think he can play a valuable role and he, he's not one of those guys that has Did you to see be him a lot. Like a Matt Bolesky when Matt, Matt Bolesky was in his prime here. Dan. Yeah. Like I, I think the similar type of role, maybe you scrapper, know, he can score play. when he needs to that kind of yeah. thing. Right. A good death piece. And they've now got him locked up for three years at one, just under 1.3. But he's not like a Milano or a Volkov or a Steele where if they're not producing, there's not much else there where, you know, Jones is still going to give you 100% effort every night. He's going to play physical. He's going to do a lot of other things that you like to see that can contribute to the win, whereas maybe Milano and Volkov and Steele aren't doing that where we're expecting them. It's either they get into the top six or they're done. For Max Jones, I don't think it's quite the case because I think the Ducks would be content having him as a, a third line energy guy of the future, you know, to play, whether it be with a Gru or a Lindstrom or somebody like that, or play up in the lineup due to injuries, or he, he's just a very versatile piece. I think they like having around. He can play anywhere yeah. in the lineup. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's the thing, right? Max Jones will play on either wing on either in any line. I think honestly, like he's the guy I have the least questions about going into this year, you know, as far as like what he is, like I've, feel at this point confident that he will be a regular NHLer for the next, you know, six, seven years. I really do. I think he's got the ability. He's got the foot speed. Um, he's physically engaged. He's mentally engaged. Um, you know, I, I think there are obviously going to be questions about what kind of potential upside he has. Can he crack 20 goals one year? Can he crack 40 points one year? I, I don't know. I think a lot of that would depend on power play time and uh kind of his line mates i think if anaheim ever switched to a true top nine um i think you could see him start to move up the scoring a little bit as far as just his personal production um but yeah i i just think he's gonna have a spot on this team for a while and i don't think i i honestly i just i would i would honestly assume that anaheim also has the fewest questions about him uh you know i think with terry uh, I think he's probably second to that. The question with Terry is going to be a ceiling, right? How high can he get? Um, can he just you know? score consistently, whether it's an assist, a second assist, or a goal? <laughs> like, just be consistently yeah. a point guy. A point every other night would be probably what we would expect as his ceiling, right? 40, 50 points a year? It's kind of like yeah. my ceiling for Troy Terry. Yeah. yeah, that sounds about right. But, you know, I mean, if if – you know, like, here's the thing for me. Like, if in five years the third line is Jones, Gruel, Terry, I don't think that's bad. I think that's a perfectly good third line. 
Um, you know, you've got a little bit of everything there. I think, uh, you know, your boy B.O., like, I, I really think he's got – he's in the best position of anybody because I think Lundestrom and Steele are, like we said, in very important years for their long-term prospects with this team. Um, if one of them slips, if one of them doesn't perform or both of them don't perform, Gruel seems like he's going to be the guy that they're going to throw up there and, you know – from everything I've heard, he seems like he earned it, you know, and he deserves it. And I know Eakins liked him when they were down there. And so it'll be interesting to see what he is able to bring um, in his time. I I would expect him to probably play 35, 40 games at the minimum this year. Yeah. I mean, he's really fighting for a spot at a camp because he's been one of the Ducks most impressive forwards, right? He's got two goals and and one goal in each of the games that he's played a shorthanded goal against the Sharks. And that is in junior where he got a lot of his work done shorthanded. He's just a very dangerous shorthanded threat. And the Ducks obviously haven't really had that since Andrew Cogliano. And it's not an area of concern where you really have to work on is shorthanded goal scoring, but it is nice to have a a guy that kind of has that niche ability to him. And, you know, if one way to play your way out of the roster is to do well in preseason and you you look at this roster, I think there's some guys you can project that are going to be in the next couple rounds of cuts. I think Bryce Kindob, Alex Limogay, Vinny Letary, Buddy Robinson, uh, Daniel Regan, probably Tobias Reeder, and Braden Tracy uh, and Max Golot are all guys that are likely going to be a part of the cuts. But that still leaves you with some extra guys. You know, you've got Carrick and Gru, Jones, Grant, Delorier, uh, are of all guys who can kind of stick around and be a spare piece to go along with, you know, Milano gets left, Terry, Volkov, Steele, Henrik, Lundstrom, Silverberg, Perot probably goes part of the cuts as well. So there's, you know, three or four four extra guys who you really can't decide right now who's going to make the team. And, you know, somebody's going to lose out of here at some point, but it, if it's Benoit Olivier grew who makes the team, it's because of the way he's played in preseason. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the organization sees him as being somebody they can expect to have a high floor. You know, I think that's the guy they expect him to just be, smart and consistent and able to play at both ends of the ice and pitch in on offense. You know, I, I I really do think that there's a very good chance that we see, but those are replacement level guys, replacement guys. Those are not, those guys are just above replacement level to me. That's close. I mean, like Sam Carrick's going to be in the AHL. It's going to be an injury injury. That's going to bring him up. Like those, those, uh, to me, those guys are injury guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I they think really Sam want Carrick to test these kids this year. The uh, they really want to test these kids. I mean, look at the look at the top six. It's it's pretty obvious what the Ducks are doing here. They're they're. It's like they said. It's uh, I, I think it was Eric Stevens talking to Lindholm uh, in his article in the Athletic. He was like, basically saying, is it uh, is it different now? Because now that it's uh, actually a rebuild that's being talked about, how do you feel about it? Because <laughs> this is what we're doing. Which leads into another funny question about Lindholm. Everyone freaking out about his, uh, are you excited to come back? Or are you going to come back? You know, the contract talks was also very interesting as well. I don't know if you guys saw that, but everyone made I a big. That. Yeah, it was a whole bunch of nothing. A big deal about it. He just he didn't want to confirm or deny anything. He was just like, my agent's handling that. Uh, they want to talk to he me. He gave the standard answer that every player in a contract here gives. Yeah, what is he supposed to say? 
Yeah, I was surprised by that because I, I looked, I, I heard the outrage about the comments without actually even looking at them. And I actually just went and looked at his comments in that article in The Athletic for the first time today. And I was like, why? Like, this is a standard response. He's just saying, I'm not thinking about it right now. Got a lot of stuff going on. I'm going to focus on what I can control. And that's my play on the ice. That's that's a stereotypical response. What's wrong with that? What's he supposed to say? Yeah, I'd love to come back like that. I mean, here's the thing, right? There's that's the other option in theory is, yeah, you know, I've made a home here, blah, 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 blah. This is what I want to do. But like he makes a comment in there like, yeah, like I want to win. And like, okay, I get that. So like, I, I don't know, man. Like I just I get to a degree some of the concern, but I don't think there is anything in what he said that changes what we already figured was going to be the case going in. And they, I mean, I mean if you're he looking gave at them pieces to a move, six-year long-term contract. Like, he gave them a long time. He gave the Ducks a long time to be successful. They had runs, uh, didn't quite get there. Now he's at the point where, what do you think he's going to make going into next year or after next year if he comes back? Don't you think that the – we talked about this, uh, you know, several months ago when defensemen were getting outrageous contracts. Does Hampus fall on that? Hey, it's not. He's going to be starting at seven five. I I think he starts at seven. Yeah, I think and he I think at least seven. It'll depend on what well, kind his of base. Able his to base up. was six point seven five. The cap hit was five point two, but his annual salary was six point seven. I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Hampus want to get a mill more on that on a base, right? Depends on this year too. Like if, if mm-hmm. the one thing that's always limited Hampus and I think in a lot of our minds, especially when it comes to contract productions, some of the guys we're talking about is his offensive production. Now we all know the history of guys on contract years and go off and have great seasons. If he adds that to his game this year, and let's say he puts up 35, 40 points, there's no way you can that he's going to ask for anything less than eight, right? Like there's absolutely, and still continues to do well at the things he always does well defensively, right? If he can add that extra bit to his game, and he talks about that in that same article on, you know, he's getting to his prime and look at guys like Hedman and and their first few years in the league and in the last five, you know, starting when they're 27 to 32 onward, this is what he's considering the best years of his career. And he's not wrong about that. I still think he can potentially get to that next level offensively. And if he does it this year, he could ask for eight, eight and a half, nine. It just all depends, I think, uh, how this year goes. A lot of what he gets, whether it's seven, eight, or nine, depends on how he does in this season. And I guess if he's still a part of the Ducks or not. And he, here comes that that uh, he's 27, right? Or is he 28? He's 27 uh, 26. He's 26. No, he's not 26. Hampus is 27. 27, yeah. Yeah, when's his birthday? So is he going to be 28 this year? So he'll be turning 28 halfway through the season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He said I he was a year younger than that. I know that you had this later on our doc, Eddie, but I, I wanted to talk about it since we were talking about the players. Um, it's kind of like the bigger news that's come out this week. But he said, uh, there, Eric Stevens asked him, has there been any contract talks since you were first eligible to sign a new deal? Are you fine with negotiating during the season? He goes, yeah, there's been a little bit. I let my angel, my agent handle that i trust my agent if they want to talk to me i don't think i have any way that i prefer to deal with it but obviously i'm not in the mood to sit and do anything crazy what does that mean and then he also says later uh he's mentioning headman nicholas lidstrom duncan keith all those guys had their best years coming into their 27 to 33 years like their age 
So he feels like he's in his prime or entering the peak of his career. Yeah, I absolutely. Know. I think he's in the middle I, of it. And I, I, I think with defenseman, everything he's saying is fine. I understand we have false. all this crap with aging curves and all that shit. And, like, I, I get it, and I think – I just don't – the three guys he names, they were on monster teams. That's the success was not driven just by those guys. Those are good players, but I think the success added to what they got contract wise. It'd be a tough. It'd be tough to get. Well, to I don't even think it's at nine. I, I mean, he's not a nine no. million dollar player. That's yeah. I mean, look. Here's the thing, right? If you look at his production by season: 30, 34, 28, 20, 31, 28, 23. Last year was six and eighteen. So, like, he seems to be about a 25 to 30-point guy. The question will be is can he consistently get above, you know, 10 goals? Like, he's hit 13 goals, 10 goals, 6, 7, 10, 6, 13, 6, 2, 2. Like, he's got a chance to be 10 goals, 40 points, you know. But I think his best years as far as his just general his personal ability have been when the team hasn't been that great around him so his offense hasn't really had a chance to improve based simply on the context that he is in like obviously if he's one of those elite guys then you would say it makes a bigger impact um as far as his ability to drive offense and produce offense but like he does have good underlying offensive numbers you know there's just a lack of finishing around him there's a lack of support you know a lot of defensemen i think get their points on the power play like i just, like there's no reason to look at the anaheim power play and go oh yeah no he's a lock for 20 points on the power play like you know so <laughs> it's going to be interesting now if they play him with jamie dreesdale then i think now you're going to actually have a real conversation i i would think maybe that's his best bet is to get good jamie dreesdale have them be a really good pairing um allow jamie dreesdale to drive offense that's going to free him up pinch down all sorts of things like I want – like, here's the thing. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I want Hampus Lindholm on this team for his entire career. I love Hampus Lindholm. Um, what he ends up becoming and getting and where he stays, like, it'll be curious. But, like, I, I would love to see him make seven and a half, eight, you know, on this team for eight years. Like, I just – I'd sign him up to the longest deal I could, see if I could get him at around seven and a half and go from there. Use a, a bunch of, of bonus money. Here's a lot of cash. He's the one guy I think of the pending uh, restrict unrestricted free agents we have that I would say uh, I would be open to keeping around. Not maybe not eight years, but like on a five or six year deal. Um, and, you know, guys, other guys on uh, pending unrestricted free agents obviously are Josh Manson, uh, Ricard Raquel, Nick Deloria, and Ryan Getzlaff. Hamas Linton is really the only guy I can make an argument for. I mean, obviously, Ryan Getzlav, if you want to bring him back for another year, like I want to see him only really ever play for the Ducks. I could understand if they traded him to get assets or whatever. But if he's still going to play, he'd be a guy I'd like to see come back. But Raquel's a guy I think they need to move. I don't think they need to resign him. I wouldn't. I'd get what you can for him. The same goes with Josh Manson. But yeah, for for Lindholm specifically, like he would be a guy I'd be comfortable playing seven or seven and a half over five or six years to keep around. I think he'll still be a very good player at 31, 32 years old. I have more confidence in him than I do the other guys. So he'd be a guy I'd like to keep around long term to be a, a part of this team when they're good again. Uh, but if they traded him, I, I think 
you know, he, he's going to have a good season this year. I think the value will be there. I think there will be teams who will be interested in him. So it all depends on what the return is at that point and whether they can weigh it up against the potential cost of re-signing him to a long-term deal over $7 million. Yeah, I mean, I think part of, you know, part of the, the potential issues with trading a guy like Hampus Lindholm, right, is the teams that make the most sense to send him to are the teams that are going to have late first round picks. So I think with him, you know, a guy like him, I really think you should be looking at high end prospects for a a couple of teams, you know, like that maybe found themselves in a slightly different position than they expected to be. Like, you know, I, I said it, uh, I think I said it to you maybe Eddie or somebody else, I don't know. It might have been on Twitter, but like, I just think like, if I'm Bob Murray right now, I'm calling their jersey and I'm saying I will give you Ricard Raquel and Hampus Lindholm together. You give me back PK Subban, that matches the salary. Now you tell me what makes it worth it, right? Like, do you want to get a Dawson Mercer? Do you want to get another first round pick? Uh, you know, I, I just think there's a lot of interesting opportunities to try to hit on some of that late lottery, low playoff teams and see if you can get lucky, Um, you know. But I understand wanting picks, and I just don't know that I would want to move Hampus Lindholm for the 25th pick. I'd rather move him for a guy that, you know, you have a little bit better of idea. Like, I'll take Cole Perfetti, man. Like, give me Cole Perfetti. I'll give you Hampus Lindholm. Like, we can have that conversation. Those are the kind of players I want to be looking at. That's what you have to at this point, right? Like, Mm -hmm. not to say you should not be trading for draft picks at this point, but I think where the Ducks are in their rebuild, I would rather, especially if you're trading a player like a Hampus Lindholm, you need to get a close to NHL ready prospect back in return. So, like you said, a Cole Perfetti or a Dawson Mercer, or, you know, maybe I doubt it, you could probably, you know, hold away from New Jersey. Somebody like that, somebody that is a high end prospect that you know is going to be an impact player. In a couple of years. Yeah, I think that's the difference for me between like Lindholm and Raquel, right? Raquel, I'll take a pick because that gives me another, you know, late first rounder, someone I can get interesting with. But with a guy like Hampus Lindholm, I'm trading him for upside. I am trading him for the other guy's ceiling. Cole Perfetti, Alexander Holtz. Those are the kind of guys that I'm I'm willing to move a Lindholm for. Same goes with John Gibson, I think. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I, I have no interest in trading... Campus Lindholm for the 25th pick, no. uh, a third rounder in two years, and, you know, the bogue rule of another team's prospect system. That's not the trade you can make. I, you know, I'll trade Josh Manson. I'll trade Ricard Raquel. A lot of guys, you know, I'm very willing to accept the reality of perceived value and trades and stuff like that. But, like, Campus Lindholm to me is just – He's just too good. He's too consistent. There's nothing about his game that I don't think is going to age well. If you're moving him, which is there's a legitimate argument to be made that it is important to move him now while this team is building. You have to get home run swings. You have to get guys that are going to make an impact in three or four years in the top six, in the top four. And if that's not what you're getting, I don't know that the trade is worth it. I'd rather just overpay him and keep him. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Um, 
let's quickly project what we think will be the 13 forwards and then we'll quickly touch on the defense and i know we want to get into our actual division predictions to take a little bit of time too but for me i'm, I'm looking at this forward group and, and you we we have this written out so you guys can see this as well uh, i've highlighted a few guys in red these are the guys i think are blocks i'll read them off you guys correct me if, uh, if i'm you think i'm wrong on any of these guys but getzlaff terry come to raquel henry glinderstrom silverberg and max jones for me are the nine for, for sure locks for opening night i think these are the guys that you could say without a doubt are, are going to be on that roster if they're healthy uh, that leaves four spots three technically and then a spare to be filled by what I have here is seven other guys. Milano, Volkov, Steele, Delorier, Sam Carrick, Derek Grant, and Benoit Livier-Grew. Any of those guys I just read off that you think either should be in the locks or shouldn't be in the locks? I think you nailed it, man. I I like to argue with you a lot, too, but I think those nine are probably the best nine you can grab out of that group for sure. It feels like two groups right now, right? Like, there is... Those nine guys that you can't really argue them being in there for whatever reason, whether it be play or salary or experience or whatever. And then the other group of guys who just either on the cusp of making the team need to show more, haven't shown enough, don't really bring a lot like Grant and Deloria, guys like that. There really seems to be two separate groups of forwards here. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, look, I, I think. As far as roster spots, yes. I think as far as player types, I think you're looking at three groups. Young guys that have something to prove. Young guys that need to develop, right? Like, that's your your Zegris, your Comtois, your Terry. These are the guys that we are expecting to be around for the next five years. And what we want to see now is them just start to work towards their upside. We've got guys like Raquel and Henrik and, you know, Silverberg who are like, we don't really 100% know what they're going to be this year, but we know that as long as they're on the team, they're going to be in the lineup. And then you've got everybody else who, you know, there's a lot of young guys who are going to be fighting to get into the lineup. Um, you know, Steele, Lundestrom, like, I, I, you know, Gruel, Perot, I don't know. I, I don't think McCavish is going to run, but he could, you know. I think you need uh, more time. Like, yeah, if he had I, a full camp, I maybe, would, but. I would very much like to give him another year. I don't think that's fair, but I just think given his physical profile and his heavy, heavy shot, I could see a team talking themselves and just like, fuck it, just bring him up. Who cares? We'll play. We'll see what he got. I don't care. It's the whole year's lost. Um, you know, but yeah, I don't think I really disagree with anything. I mean, I think unfortunately the reality is, is that D'Lo and Grant are basically locks and it's about going from there. So yeah, I think that's the worrying thing about this. Like, if I had to pick my 14, I, I think of the guys I said that were on the outside, for me, I wouldn't include Deloria, Carrick, or Grant. I really like Sam Carrick, but of all the other guys here, like, I want to see more from Milano. I want to no, see I'm putting Deloria from, in for sure. But, but, like, over what, like, you know what Deloria is going to give. At this point, like, I know what Deloria brings, and I understand why you him in the roster but we know what he is we know what grant is we know what Carrick is milano and volkov i think like at least to start the year don't exactly know what they are yet you want to see a little bit more from them if they don't produce sure then send milano, milano i i would agree 100 percent, milano for sure yeah 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 for sure I, I i think volkov i still want to see what he is i don't have high hopes for him but 
my my argument with Grant and Delores again, we know what they are. They don't really make this team better. There is no progression we're going to see for them. That's it. Mm-hmm. Sam Carrick unfortunately misses out. I'd love I in the future would love for him to be a fourth line player once we make decisions on Milano and Volkov and Steele. I'd love for him to be back in there. But I would put Gruen as the spare forward if he continues to do well in preseason. And whether he, you know, plays the 13th forward in game one, and then depending on how Milano or Volkov or Steele does, he could check in the lineup for games two or three. That That's where I would see him going in. Carrick back down to San Diego. And then I don't know what they do with Grant or Delorey. I think you're right, unfortunately. I think, Stephen, it was you who said that, right? Where you think they're locks yeah, for this? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, unfortunately, they probably are because I don't know what you do with them otherwise and, and where you put them. Like, you healthy scratch them. Do you trade them like we're apparently going to trade Nick Delorier back before the draft like I don't know what you do with them I just really don't want them in the lineup like there's no point at this point like you're not a competitive team you know what you're going to get out of these guys let's see what we can we can get from guys like Steele Volkov and Milano on a nightly basis instead yeah Delorier Volkov and and Milano I don't like I don't want Steele playing I, I'm with Pat as far as Delorier being in the lineup. It just makes sense to me. I think yep. the only reason Delorier is hard to fit in is because there's guys ahead of him that you can't move. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I just think if Henrique and Silverberg on, on, aren't on this team, I don't think Delorier is a question mark. Right. You know? and, and that's uh, why we always argue that guy should have been traded a long time ago. Now we're in this spot where mm-hmm. a guy like Gru is playing really well, but probably won't get a roster spot because you've got all these, you know, you've got a Grant, you've got a Silverberg, a Henrik still around, you, you know, a Steel fighting for a spot. You won't see him. You know, Delo gets in probably because he just brings something that nobody else on this team does. But then now you're sacrificing a Steel or a Volkov for that because you have guys like Henrik and Silverberg who probably shouldn't be on this roster but are. Got to have iron yeah, in the I lineup mean, if you're going to play all those kids. That's that's the, uh, the I, Ducks way, man. <laughs> I can see it. I, yeah, I mean, you know, Silverberg to me is, I don't know. He, I love Silverberg. I love the way he plays. I love, you know, his style and his personality and all that kind of stuff. I just think he's a really good fit. The problem is, is he's no longer an impact maker. He's on the other side of 30. He's making over $5 million. So you have just kind of have a position now where, it's just like as much as he brings, it's, it's the totality of decisions put you in a position to where you have to now look at him and be like, well, fuck, what do we do with you now? Right. Again, like I think the biggest impediment for Hampus Lindholm staying long term is Cam Fowler's contract. I think the biggest impediment for, you know, Gruel getting a chance is Henrik Silverberg, uh, Henrik and Silverberg's contracts like they've just kind of backed themselves into a corner a couple of times and it, none of it is fatal. But a lot of it is is avoidable, and it will limit how much run they can give some of these younger guys unless they move out these older guys. And we saw last year, it's not going to be easy to move Henrik. It's not going to be easy to move Silverberg. Um, you know, they both have trade protection. They're both on 30. Like So unless they want to waste their two retained salary transactions on both of those guys, one of them is going to be here. So It makes you, know, you wonder. I, like, There's no way they, they do this again, right? Because clearly they... And Murray won't admit it publicly, but I think clearly he understands they made a mistake with Adam Henrique, you know, trying to trade him for most of last year, even into the mm-hmm. offseason. Nobody bid on it. I think at some point they've discussed moving Silverberg, but again, it was just very hard with the contract situation to move a guy like that and how much term he has left. You look at Raquel and Lindholm and Manson needing contracts at the end of this year. I 
think you can't like there's no way they can make that mistake again especially with guys like Raquel and, and Manson giving them you know four or five million dollar extensions for three or four or five years just to be in this situation again when Perot starts trying to break into the lineup and Grew inevitably demands to be in the lineup and McTavish is is coming around and Pastuyov you know what I mean like you're just asking to be backed right back into this corner again if you re-sign these guys and you know, we're we're talking about log jams of, of Raquel blocking a spot for now, but he could be a guy that eventually gets moved. And whether they can actually find a suitor for Henrik or Silverberg, that remains to be seen. But well, that's, that's when you could see these start opening up. That's the thing, right? Is like I don't know, like is Raquel blocking a roster spot in so much as he shouldn't be on the team because they should have traded him? Yes. Is Raquel someone who you're saying shouldn't be on the roster out of ability? No. No. Henrik and Silverberg are different. Their age, their contracts, all that kind of thing, right? Their ability has started to decline. Like what they are asked to do has been too much. Raquel, I have, you know, I don't think Raquel is limiting anybody's ability other than maybe if you want to say he's going to take Troy Terry's spot on the top right side, right? Or something like that. Um, you know, um, he's almost I, the most likely guy of all of them to not be here come trade deadline, right? Like right. just, he, in that sense, he's blocking a roster spot because we all, I mean, we don't know for sure, but we all assume if anybody's going to get traded from this forward group, it's going to be him yeah. because of his contract status. And, you know, hopefully he has, has a good start to the year playing on that top line. He, he just seems like the most likely guy to make way and allow somebody else to jump into that roster spot. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, FYI... It looks like Mason McTavish might be in the lineup for Arizona tonight. Oh, nice would be interesting. He's traveling. He's traveling with the team, and it looks like he might be in the lineup tonight. Which I, is I good still think he has a long shot. That's spring. He, he still has a shot. I think of of getting a a look. Okay, we never thought Lundstrom would get a look, and he got a that's look. That's what I was going to say. Is that yeah. and that's what it's going to be. It's going to be six games. Let's see what it'll happens. Be, it'll be a tiny peak. Yeah. 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 And, and a lot of it depends, uh, again, how Milano and Volkov and Steele look in preseason and whether McTavish just looks that much better that you, you can't – you just have to give him a shot. Like, he, he just gives you no no reason to not give him a look, right? So it's so easy to say, okay, we're going to send you back down to Peterborough. You know, you're going to go play in the OHL and that's it. And I think that's inevitably where they go with it. But 
you know, depending on how he plays and who he ends up playing with, he, he could just play himself into a few games, which I would love to see. I'd love to see, you know, if, if he plays well in preseason, you know, mm-hmm. we got to start there. If he does do well in preseason, I would love to see him get, you know, two, three, four, five games uh, to start the season, just uh, just to see how he does in, in actual regular season games. And yeah, I think that'd be good for his development. Then he can go back to the OHL, dominate and come back next year and, and actually compete for a roster spot you know, a full mm-hmm. year under his belt. So he's another guy to keep an eye on, but it, it's going to be tough. Like it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the direction they go with a lot of these guys, because you would assume Deloy and Grant, or at least Deloy gets a roster spot. And I think you guys were right. And he probably is a lock just the way the coaching staff likes him and likes to have a player like that in there, that he he's probably a lock there. And it seems a bit worrying there for Sam Steele, where it didn't look great in preseason so far. If he doesn't take a step forward, he might not be on the opening night roster. And whether he's a healthy scratch or in, in, I don't even know okay. if he can go to San Diego. So, so that's okay. That's what I was going to say is I think he will be on the opening right roster. Whether he's in the opening night lineup is a question. And if we get to 20, 25 games and he's played 15 only, then I think you're going to start hearing his name uh, as far as getting moved. Because yeah, he's he not, he's not waiver exempt, is he? He is. No anymore yeah no because he's him and uh lundy are on their qualifying offers this year it's only only comtois and zegris are now the last waiver exempt guys we have left so this is this really is it right like we talked about i think going into last year i was looking at our season preview from last year we there was like four or five other guys who were waiver exempt like terry and jones and i think Steele and lindstrom were all waiver exempt last year so it was like an easier Terry you know, wouldn't have been just because that was the first year of his three-year deal. Right, but right. Anyway, but yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm just no, no, talking. no, you're right, yeah. Uh, but Jones and Steele and Lindstrom, because they just signed their contracts this offseason, they were all waiver-exempt. Now they're not. So if you're not playing well, you're out, you're either on waivers, and I would assume Steele would get picked up off waivers. Maybe oh, not. Yeah. We've seen, but we've seen other guys slip through waivers without no way that guy clears, and he clears. So that could be the case here. But I would, I would bet if Sam Steele went on waivers and wasn't playing well, he's likely getting claimed. And that's mm. a that that sucks for ducks, right? Like he yes, he hasn't lived up to his expectations, but it's never fun losing a former first round pick for uh, nothing. who's only twenty three for nothing on waivers like that. Right. Yeah. That, but that that's where that's where it's gonna go, right? Because you can't healthy scratch him forever. And if there's other guys playing well in front of him, what you what are you gonna do with him? At that point, you you either try and move him, and teams know that you know the alternative is put him on waivers. So let's just you know, try our luck and, or you're moving him for not that great of a return because he's not playing well. So it's, it's a really tough spot for him. I think the big storyline for the ducks forward group uh, on, if we're going to like pinpoint one player here, I think Sam Steele is, is a guy to watch because it could go south very quick if he doesn't start the season. Well, yeah, he could find himself on the outside looking in very quickly. I think that's right. Um, uh, you guys want to take a look at the defense core real quick, and then we'll move into our division predictions. Sounds yeah, so I highlighted or I bolded the six guys that are locks. If and the only only guy that I could see not being on there is Mahara. It yeah. being Larson. Lindholm Shot and Kirk Fowler, Drysdale, Manson, and Mahara were my locks. But same I as last year, them. right? Yeah, it's the Drysdale, same. They, they might just flip Larson. And they might, you know. <laughs> nice to see Gooley skating. He was at training camp. I, I don't know if he played in any of the preseason games. I didn't notice him if he did. He played one um with uh, I don't know who he played. Maybe it was Shattenkirk. He played in the last game, I think. He came in as oh, okay. a 
swap in. But yeah, I, I agree. Like obviously Lindholm's a lock, Shannon Kirk's a lock, Fowler, Manson, Drysdale. Um, so you've got five spots filled. And then again, as always, every year there's always like four guys fighting for that final spot on the left side of defense. Uh, and it's Benoit who probably has the longest shot of anybody. Larson, Gooley, Rafferty, who just they just brought in this year, and Cody Curran. Out of all of them, and, and then obviously Maher as well. I really like what I've seen from Cody Curran in preseason. Played with Lindholm in the first game. I think he played with Shattenkirk in this other game. I'd have to double check. He didn't check, look bad in the first game with Lindholm. You're right. I remember watching him. Yes, yeah, played fine. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for you know potential weapon on the power play, another shot from the point, like, Good option because Shattenkirk hasn't worked there. And if Drysdale is going to be your number one, maybe Cody Curran could be another defenseman who sneaks his way onto a power play too. Who knows? But, you, you know, I think it's going to come down to play in preseason, whoever gets that final spot. And if it's between Curran, Benoit, Mahura, Larson, Rafferty, and Gooley, Cody Curran might have the edge just the way he's played. And and I think he deserves a slot. I, I thought he deserved a chance last year and he didn't get it. So I think he deserves a chance this year to at least play a couple of games and see what he can do. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I think the five are the five. And then if you ask me who my my other two to finish out seven were, I, I would say I would be the most interested in um, Curran and Benoit. I think uh, those are the ones who have uh, who have the most in front of them as far as, right? Like, I don't think Larson's going to get better. I like Mahura, but I'm not – I don't I don't know what to do with Mahura. He could never get past this level or he could become a legitimate fourth defenseman. I mean, I think they're both on the table. Um, Gooley, I think at this point, you just have to say it's a giant question mark. His health has been an issue. We know what skills he possesses. We know what kind of player he can be if he puts it all together. But if he will, remains unseen. And like, I know that doesn't, you know, that's some real, you know, some deep analysis there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so stupid. It's like so buzzwordy, but it's just but it's, it's, but it's, like it's hard me, to pick like with him because he came in and played really well when he first came in with Cam Fowler. We're like, holy hell, mm-hmm. we finally have a, another quick footed defenseman who, who makes good plays and looks great. Next season, not so much. And then he gets injured, goes to HL, and then he was injured again or something along those lines. And he, you didn't really hear about him anywhere. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, I think Curran and Benoit for me are the two because they play different styles. They provide different types of things. And I think those are two guys that makes a lot of sense to bring in. Um, you know, if you can move out of Manson, if you can move out of Shattenkirk, if you can move out Lindholm, right? If we get to that point, like these are the kind of guys that it would be nice to have. One is a 30-year-old, a 31-year-old who won a league MVP across seas. He's shown that he can, you know, play on American ice, like all that kind of stuff. That would be good. And then Benoit, he's young. He went undrafted. He was, you know, he's got a good story. He's got, he's someone that it would be really cool to have just kind of be a part of this team going forward. He plays, you know, a little bit more of like a hard-nosed game on that left side, which would be nice. So, you know, I, I think those are the two for me that I would be the most interested in. I, I would I would stuff Jacob Larson into a backpack and throw him onto a train to get him out of Anaheim. <laughs> I I think I of all these guys, Ben Benoit's waiver exempt. So I I I, I want to see more from him, but he just feels like because he's waiver exempt, San Diego easy starting point for him. Uh, Rafferty I think starts in San Diego, right shot. We've kind of got our three right-handed guys. I know they've played Drysdale on the left before, but I, I could just imagine that Rafferty likely starts. In San Diego, I think Gooley starts in San Diego. I think 
coming off injuries last year, not getting a full look even at AHL hockey. I think they're going to start him there to get a taste of it. So then it really comes down to Curran, Mahura, and Larson, two, three guys fighting for two spots. I think Larson's probably a lock as one of the seven. So then it really comes down to Curran and Mahura, and I think that could be based off of preseason performance because I don't think they're as in love with Josh Mahura as they used to be. I think we've seen that from their unwillingness to use him and call him up. And I think they'd be okay starting him in San Diego. And I honestly think it's going to come down to it's Larson and Curran are going to be the six, seven. And I can see Curran getting the start on opening night, whether it is how they have it projected here, playing on the right with Hampus Lindholm would be a really interesting pairing to see those guys together uh, have you know Fowler Fowler with Drysdale and Manson with Shattenkirk? I don't know how they want to go at that point, or maybe they play Drysdale on on the left side because he's played there um, pretty much all last year on his offside. So they could do that, but I, I would I would like to see Curran get the shot, and I think it comes down to Curran and Larson as as the six seven to start the year. Yay, Jacob Larson! <laughs> Yay. To think, well, how, how much longer is he, is he under contract? It can't be one more year. One more year. So I think this is it for, for Larson after this. I, I can't imagine he comes back. Uh, you say that now, young man. Just wait. Just wait. January 1st, Anaheim Duck signed Jacob Larson to a $2 million eight-year deal with a full no-movement clause and a signing bonus of 30 million dollars every year cool thanks guys awesome very exciting. all right to close this out before we get into our division predictions i have a couple um either over under or true or false type questions for you guys to just kind of rapid fire here so uh dom decision from the athletic has the duck predicted to have 73 and a half points we'll just round it to 74 uh, over or under for 74 points for the Ducks at the end of the year? Go under. first, Pat. Yeah, under. that's the right answer. 100. Yeah, had had them. I think he had them third last. Arizona and Buffalo worse. So, do you think they're the third worst team in the league? Do you think, do you think Buffalo? The and Ducks are going to get Arizona like 60, 65 points this year. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. He also oh. had them at a 31, 40, and 11 record. I'm assuming then you think that's worse. You think they do worse than that? Yeah, it's going to be a tough one, man. I think they are going to do worse than that. I just don't feel like they have enough scoring on the team. I think that's just going to be the downfall still. We haven't we haven't got a winger to put the puck in the net yet. My favorite thing about these projections, still a 2% chance to make the playoffs. <laughs> ah, yeah. got a tiny, tiny, tiny bit chance. Yeah, 93% chance for bottom 10. 72% chance for bottom 5. 20% chance to be dead last and a 2% chance to make the playoffs, but 0% for division final, final four cup final and to win the Stanley cup or so low that it comes up as 0%. So, well, let's play that fun division game. Let's let's roll through these real quick. Oh, I wanted to do one, wanted to do oh, one more. Okay. With Trevor Zegris over under 50 points this year. Over. I'll, let's go. Yeah, I'll go over on that. Too. I'll lean in. I've seen I'll a say, lot of projections of having at like 45, 48, so right around that, Mark. I'm going to say he splits it 22, 37. <laughs> oh. 
All right. I'm going to say that's his splits. 37 assists, 22 goals. I'll say 20 points on the power play. Uh, and uh, I will maintain this position. The triple crown for the Ducks this year. Win the Calder Trophy. Win the Calder Cup. Win draft lottery. Those are the only three things that anybody should care about. Winning the Calder Trophy with Zegers winning that and then getting Shane Wright would be a perfect cap off to a terrible season. I oh, honestly it would care honestly, less about the Calder Cup, but shut those, up. Those, those those two other ones would be great. The Calder Cup is very cool and very important because it, it would be your fun. boy Gruel led the team on a postseason run. If uh, Joel Bouchard won the Calder Cup. Do you think he becomes the Ducks head coach next year? No. <laughs> Over the Dallas Aikens? You don't think I, so? I think it's, it's Mike Stuthers. It's his job. I guess. Yeah, true. Could be. Stuthers is, is the guy they brought in from the rain, right? Yeah, he's a he's assistant coach, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And then, it's his job. It's his job next year. I don't – I just – I think it's I, between those two, Bouchard and, and Stuthers, so – Maybe. I just have a hard time thinking they got Stuthers in the building without the idea that he would be first in line. Maybe it's Bouchard, though. Maybe. I don't, well, you know. As we say every year, uh, this looks like a big year. And <laughs> there should be a lot of changes at the end uh, for next year. But uh, before we run out of time, let's move into our division predictions. Uh, I know, Stephen, you had uh, a way you wanted to run this, right? Yeah, I, well, so what I did is I just kind of divided it into East Conference, West Conference as far as teams, uh, the point. So me and Pat had kind of talked about doing something like over under, but I told Pat that everybody does that. So we figured what we would do is just do better or worse than last year. So given that the divisions were weird, uh, I just did conferences. So some of these teams, obviously, the point projections are going to be a little ridiculous. So we will start in the Eastern Conference. I will tell you how many points they would have gotten in a full game. In a full season last year, you tell me if they're going to be better or worse. Uh, Boston had a 107-point season. Do we think Boston is better or worse than 107 points? Uh, I'm going to say that the, I, I'm going to I'm going to take shit, that's like dead on for me. I think 107 <laughs> yeah, points is about it, right it's, for them. It's right what I expect them to get. I mean, yeah, they, I they replaced David Krejci with, so. with Felino, and I didn't really see. I mean, they don't have Tukarask anymore. You got Halak, or right, no, no, no Halak. They have Olmark, Linus Olmark. Olmark, yeah, Jeremy Swayman. Swayman. Yeah, but I think they have enough firepower on that team to to still be pretty good. Um, I they did that right, in a very right tough there. division last year too. They played with the Flyers, Caps, Penguins, Islanders, and Rangers last year, and they they put up a season like that. Now they're going to play the Sabres, Red Wings, Senators, and Montreal Canadiens <laughs> a lot yeah. this year. So. I have them right. I'll say right at one hundred and seven. That's a even. Yeah, I, I I have them better. I I think. The guys, the teams are going to be playing in this division. Really, the only ones that worry me for tough matchups are Toronto and and Tampa and maybe Florida. But I think they've proven they can, you know, they can beat Toronto. I think the Lightning games will be tough, but they always play them close. And I think a full season of Taylor Hall with uh, with Boston is going to be huge for them. It just depends if their their big guns can stay healthy and how their defense looks. And obviously, goaltending could could be huge, but. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll say they're they're over. So look, if the roster's bad, they're not going to get to 107 standing. <laughs> nice job, Eddie. Uh, here's my favorite one. Buffalo had a 54 point pace last year. 54 points. I'm giving them the. They're going under on that one too. 
they're not going to have Jack Eichel in that. <laughs> Instantly makes yeah, them worse. Under 54? Oh, man. Uh, I, I would still say, yeah, I think they're going to be just catastrophic this year. So, I'm gonna no say, Ryan Hart, no Eichel. So. I'm going to say over only because I just don't think that they can finish below 60 points. But I Craig Anderson and Aaron Dell are their goaltenders. Uh, yeah, How that, is that, that not going to go well? That, that's Craig Anderson from the Senators from 20 million years ago. That guy. All right. Carolina last year finished with a 117-point pace. Under. Better 117 points. Yeah, they're under. So we think they'd be worse than 117 points? We don't think yeah, they'll be the greatest hockey team of all time? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, an easy go. I put them probably right at the 100. I'll put them, I'll put them at the century mark. For them. That's what I would say. They, they probably win that division um, in the Metro. But, yeah, 117 is – that's a stretch. There's a lot of teams that got better in that division. So. Derek Stepan, Frederick Anderson, and Antti Ranta. I mean, that's, those are upgrades in my opinion. Their goaltending yep. was a, a fucking dumpster fire. Prior, and that's the so. only thing that they've had issue with is, is their goaltending. So, like, if any team could do it, it could be them. They could, I could see, them, but it would take. I, I just, I'm not excited about going from what 25 year old, 24 year old Najelkovic, who had a really nice year last year, to 400 year old Freddie Anderson, who I just don't think is good. Oh, the and way they Ronto's play, good, I think. Yeah, yeah. So if Freddie fails. Ronta's a pretty decent backup. And the way they play, I think, is going to shield a lot of what Freddie got in Toronto, right? So Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, now we're going to do Columbus and Detroit. They are both tied at a 70-point season projection. Uh, I think that the Red Wings are under. I think Way, way, way under. Like, yeah, they have Nadelkovic, but... <laughs> yeah, well, they, they their best addition, their best player last year that they got was Verona. And now he's out for four months. Yeah. yeah that's they're, the one that hurts, being out for four months. I like that team. I want that. They got better this offseason, but I just, it, they're still in a bad division and it's not going to get easier for them. So I, I will say over, I think they finish in the low 70s, but it's, if they finish I'd, at I'd 68, I would, I could see it. Columbus, I think is under. I think Columbus has a chance to be like one of the three worst teams in the league this year. Like I just, they are going to be so bad. Yeah, they're going to be bad. I, I just think they have enough pieces to string together a, a few solid stretches to play um, against some of the teams they've got in that division. But it's going to be tough. All right. Uh, Florida, 116-point pace last season. Dude, I want Florida. To, I want to go all in on Florida this year so bad, and I just don't know if I have the courage to do it. Yeah, that's a that's a lot. That's a. I don't think they get to 160. I don't know that they'll cross 100. I'm going under on that for sure, but they're over 100 points or right about. Uh, Sam Bennett, yeah. Sam Reinhart, Spencer Knight, mm-hmm. I guess. Is what they're, they're it comes doing. to goaltending, right? Is Bobrovsky will probably command the net to start, and if he's shaky, like he probably will be. Um, <laughs> Spencer Knight has to take over and prove that he can be a number one. If he can, like they're in the same boat as, as Carolina, as a team that could. They could do it. I just think it's a stretch. I think they're under for now. Uh, Montreal, 86 points. Oof. <laughs> well, they go they go from the Canadian division to having to play Florida and Boston. Dude, they're, they're it's so brutal, man. Like, yeah. I just – I have to go under, man. I don't see how they do it. They are at – like, I just don't see how they're better no than Weber. 15 in that division. No Weber, no Kotkin, Yemi. 
Um, that's I'm like right, honestly, where I'm, I expect them to be. 85. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the under, though. I think they crack 80, but they don't get to 85. Yeah, they're going to have right. a tough time against Toronto, Montreal, Florida, and Boston, so under for me. The New Jersey Dougie Hamiltons, 66-point pace. Over. Wow. Way over. Well over. Yeah, that's going to be a good team this year, but like a fun team, a fun good team. They're yeah. not going to go not and play destroy everybody. I they might sneak in. They they're the, on the edge. For hurdle. Trade for Hurdle. Just do it, you cowards. Dude, he would be so – dude, Thomas Hurdle on that Jersey team would be perfect. He would just add so much to that lineup. He would Hurdle's give a great a, player. A, he, he might be the only best player on the Sharks. Old. He gives him a solid two-way guy. He takes a ton of that pressure off of Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. Like, shit, man. That would rock. Anyways. Yeah, the Tatar, Graves, Dougie Hamilton, Jonathan Bernier, another season they of Jack They got the Hughes. Goose, right? Didn't they yeah. bring back the goose? Who's that? The goose I, is I, loose? I think so. Oh. Yeah. Uh, all sure. right. New York Islanders, 104 points. I already know what Pat's going to say. <laughs> well under, right, Pat? No, I hate them, but I, I think that's probably right about where they're going to finish. Yeah, I, I will say slightly under. I I just still think they're missing just a real dynamic offensive player, and the Rangers Sorry, are going to be better. You think the Rangers are going to wait? Rangers are going to be a better team, or Rangers no, no, are gonna no. be better than the Islanders? The Rangers got better. Okay. The Flyers got better. The Devils got better. The Hurricanes are better. It's a tough division. I think 104 points. Only not, I don't think three teams can be 100 point teams. Or yeah. <laughs> Um, so if the Hurricanes are going to be number one, I, I think it's under, but slightly like a the 98. Only, the only way the Rangers got better is if Lafreniere and, and Capocacco actually fucking play hockey and not just Full not just sit in like middle. Yeah, not not sit in the middle of a lineup and, and not play well. They lost Pavel Buchnevich for nothing. And they added Ryan Reeves and Barkley Goudreau. I don't really see them blowing any skirts up this year either. I think they're going to be. An I, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. I just think they're going to be better. So here's the question then. The Rangers are at 88 points. Oof. I think the under on that. I think the Rangers are going to finish over, but not by much. If they finish above 92, 93 points, I'll be very surprised. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it's, again, it's right within that range of like an 85 to 95 point season. Um, kind of dead on 88 points. Ottawa, 75 points. Under. I think they'll be over that. Yeah, I think they'll be over. I I think they're starting to see some progression from some of those young guys. I mean, goaltending is still <laughs> can be a huge issue, but <laughs> sophomore season for Stutzla, uh, Brady Kachuk, another good season from him. I think Josh Norris was taking some big steps forward. Drake Batherson is going to be a good player. I was waiting for you to say that. So I, I, I like how big you are on Drake Batherson. Yeah, I, yeah, let's I see if all their what-if picks turn out to be good players. Yeah, That's what we're I, again, see. you know what I mean? Like, you're playing the Sabres and the Red Wings often. How many how many asswipes take... online were like, this is going to be the second coming of the Leafs. They're going to be better than the Leafs in five years. Like, <laughs> we'll see. They're still going to suck this year, but I can see, like, 80, 82 points. Uh, all right. The Philadelphia Flyers, 85 points. I'm taking the over on that. I think Carter Hart had just a blip of a year in his career, and I, I expect him to come back strong this year and, and play well. I think they're going to have over 85 for sure. 
Yeah, I think they're over. Uh, they, uh, they and had adding Ryan Ellis, I just remembered. So that's Ellis, a huge Atkinson. Help. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they did also add Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah. And Keith Yandel. <laughs> well, then they're going to get 100 points. That's all I'm saying. Uh, all right. Pittsburgh, 113 points. Oh, uh, way under. Way, under yeah, under. this is the year we see the team do bad. This is the this is the the declining years of Sidney Crosby's team for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, Latang and Malkin are both hurt to start the season. Like, you know, that goaltending still sucks. Like, oof. Uh, okay, uh, Tampa Bay, 110 points. Over. I'm They're the best team in the league. They're the best team in the league. I, I don't disagree, but I'm taking under. I just they got to be tired, man. They've got it. Like, I don't I I don't want to bet against them until they look bad. But like, I just don't know how they're not just dead tired a lot of victims for them in that division they lost that <laughs> third line they lost their third line all three right. of those guys are gone but they had a Corey perry <laughs> and he had three points the other day so yeah yeah not bad uh all right the i'm sorry let me just make sure i'm saying this right the toronto mopple lobs uh 113 points under I'll say under on that, too. I don't trust Mrazek and Jack 113 Campbell. 113 is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I, I think that's just a tough division, and I'm with Eddie. I just don't think the Mrazek-Campbell back the situation works. I just don't see it. Uh, so I'll take the under, but I think they'll clear 100 points, likely. Uh, all right, final team in the Western Conference, the Washington Capitals, 113. Under. Under. This is going to be a tough yeah. year for Washington. Washington and Pittsburgh are on the downturn, I think. Obi for five yeah. more years, but, man, if he just stays healthy and puts in 25 goals a season, it'd be great. Uh, all right. Moving over to our beloved Western Conference. Uh, I will save Anaheim for last. We'll do Arizona, 79. Oh, under. Well, well under. Well under. Yeah, they're there with Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. They're in that. They're in the central now. <laughs> like, is, this, is this 79 points in the Pacific Division? Because I can see that, but they're by far the worst team in that division. Here's the thing, they're, though: is there terrible. a better time for them to have walked into that division and just be awful? Shame like, man. yeah, I mean, they're yeah, losing man. their arena too. So, <laughs> very excited. The only for good the move Houston they did Nordiques. was go back to the uh, Kachina jerseys. Yeah, that's the only positive that's happened with that team. They got rid of Oliver Ekman Larson. I think that's a win. Uh, Calgary, 81 points. I think over, but oof, I don't know what the hell's happening there, man. I, I, uh, they I have still haven't signed to Chuck. No, no, he signed. It's Brady oh, in Ottawa. Okay. Who's his okay. signed, yeah. Yeah, okay. he's on the last year of his bridge deal. Duh, wrong, wrong, Kachuk. Um, yeah. I don't. I mean, what was their point add? pace last year? Who, who, you saying they were 80 points last year? Last year, they were an 81 point team in the North Division. Uh-huh. They added Blake Coleman, and they lost their captain and best player for nothing to the Kraken. Uh, what? This Mark, is gonna Mark be, Chuck still plays there. What are you talking about? This is the Daryl Sutter team of all Daryl Sutter teams. This is That's the thing. I, I yeah. honestly do think having Jacob Marstrom and Daryl Sutter, I, I think they're probably going to make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be good. I don't I think just, it's changed. What I was their projection? Know. 83? I have them under 81, yeah. Oh, 81? I'm going under on that. I have them right there. I like between 80 and 85. Yeah. All right. Chicago Blackhawks, 81 points. 
over. They're going to go in the mid-90s to high-90s for sure. Yeah, I got them over. Fleury's actually playing there too, which is huge. I'm going to take under just because screw them. I mean, Seth Jones, <laughs> Kirby Doc fully healthy. Yeah, Eddie Jonathan Tate's coming back. Uh, yeah. All right, Colorado, 120 points. I'll take the over. I think they can do it, folks. They're very good. <laughs> if anybody's I wouldn't be surprised it. if Nathan yeah. McKinnon just put this whole team on his back and just charged to the playoffs after all well, the BS that's come plus, out about him over the past few weeks about his, plus, his you know, how yeah. crazy he is in the locker room and all that. I, I'll take plus the over on that, too. Why not? Uh, the Burkakovsky, uh, Burkakovsky, I don't know, whatever. Burka, uh, it's a contract year for him, dude. He might crack 50 goals for no reason. They got Kemper. That's the tough part is the goaltending. The goaltending is the tough part. I mean, losing Grubauer, that's tough. Um, That's the only hole in this this team, though, really. I'm not 100% sure that Grubauer is better than Kemper, but I don't think either of them are top 10 goalies. And that's the issue for me. I think Kemper is finally getting a shot with a good team to show he could be a top goaltender. I, I think Grubauer is great, uh, but Colorado is so good. But, yeah, honestly, if any team has a shot at 120, it's it's Colorado. Yeah, how how, how how often can you look at a team that you say the only hole in their team is their goaltender, and you're like, yeah, they're going to have 120 points still. They're yeah. going to win 6-5 every night. That's okay. <laughs> Yes. You think they didn't have Cam McCarr wasn't fully healthy last year, right? He missed no, out I was going to say like because he got hurt. And Colorado was is hurt. Colorado's Toronto, but with defense. Landis Cox <laughs> signed. Like, yeah, they're they're fine. They're going to be good, dude. They're so good. Uh, Dallas, eighty-eight points over. Ooh, mm-hmm. that's uh, exactly my thought. Pat. Sagan is back. Oh no, man! Which, I mean. They got Ryan Suter. Cool. <laughs> I just want their, one more. Their goalies are Holpe and Kadobin, so it's not. Yeah, man. I just don't know about the goal scoring. Holpe, who got bought out a year after signing a three-year deal, dude. And it, what's the projection? 86? One year. 86. Uh, 88. Oh, I go under on that. They finish in the 80s, but that's under. I go under. Fuck it from over. I'll take the under with Pat on this one. I don't feel great about it. Uh, all right. The Los Angeles Kings, 72 points. Over. They're going to be better than we over. think. Yeah. I, I they're think not they're gonna, a playoff team. They're not we'll see what happens with Philip Deneau, right? Dude, I, I, great pick I like that team no a lot. Arvidsen. That Kings team is good. They're What's good. wrong? What do you mean no Arvidsson? Is he hurt? No, I said no Arvidsson. Oh, oh, oh. I was like, what the hell happened to Arvidsson? I was like, they just got him. Uh, he'll be hurt, I, trust me, in the first 15 games. because he I really do. They have now two guys who can play shutdown center roles. They brought in another goal scorer. Like, I just think there's a lot to like there. If any one of those kids can take a step forward and be like a real player for a little bit next year, man, I don't want to play that team. They've the just defense chosen is to be still a, a question mark. Against. I don't think Jonathan Quick is good. It's going to be uh, Cal Peterson's team. Yep. But which he has not man. looked great in preseason. Cal Peterson, by uh, all accounts from my Kings uh, fan friends, are like, man, he yeah, looks he out of position good. a lot. I think um, they're lying to you. Subject. I don't think they're a playoff team because I think only three teams from the Pacific Division make the playoffs. I think five from the Central make it. But and Anaheim's you know, definitely I, a lock. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't realize this till right now. I skipped Edmonton, 105 points. Under. Uh, under. Oh. Uh, but close. Under, but close. I'll stay yeah. over because I I mean I don't know who they're gonna lose to in the Pacific Division. <laughs> That's the thing. 
Um, they can outscore everybody. Yeah. You know, who they get? They got uh, Zach Hyman and Mike Smith. Yeah, and right? Zach Hyman's looked really good with Conor McKay. I know it's not hard oh, to do, but what? say that again. <laughs> who did he look good with? Weird how that happens. I know, right? Um, um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Did they add anybody on defense or no? No, they got uh, Derek Ryan. Uh, yeah, depth, no, they depth center. Uh, Duncan Keith. They added Duncan, Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith and sent out Ethan Bear. Dumbasses. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'll put them right around there, I guess. All right. Everybody uh, appreciate our communist overlord, Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, Minnesota, 110 points. Under. under. Far under. Yeah. I think they'll be good, but that's a lot. That's a lot. And they still don't have a number one center. And I, I just... I like Erickson Eck a lot. He's going to be a very, very good number two center whenever they find somebody in front of him, man. But until uh, then, Rossi would have to like be a Calder Trophy finalist he, for that. Marco to... Rossi would probably have to run away with the Calder. Yeah. Like I just, uh, yeah. Uh, Nashville, ninety-four points. Uh, under. Under. Yeah. Under. They got bad. They're bad now, which I love, but. <laughs> it's you know what's messed up is. <laughs> uh, they're not uh, anyways San Jose 72 points <laughs> 72 uh, I think they're over I, I don't under. think they're as bad under. As, uh, San Jose they're under Hurdle's on a contract here he's, unless they trade him they he's, better dumbasses he's gonna do really well this year thank god they, they got run, they got Nick Merkley and Andrew Cogliano thank god they got them they James they got Benito and too. Aiden Hill tight <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're not gonna be good but uh the Seattle Kraken were on pace for zero points last year, over or under for them. I think they have a chance of making the playoffs, honestly. Yeah, I think so they have I'm... a chance of making the playoffs because the Pacific sucks. Yep. yep. They'll be in one of those teams in there for that <laughs> third spot under Vegas and uh, Edmonton. So. Uh, all right. St. Louis, 92 points. Damn. I was. I, that's kind of right where I think they'll be. Yeah. I'll take the over. I'd, I think I'd agree on that. I think they're the third best team in that division. Yeah, yeah, I, I can't put them there. I, I've got them in a mix uh, of a bunch of teams basically behind Colorado. <laughs> so I mean, they lost, they lost Spence Dunn and Jaden Swartz, brought in uh, Brandon Saad and Pavel Buchnevich. So it's not – yeah, I mean, I've, yeah. I, I'll take the over on them. I'll take the over Total on them. whole season of Tarasenko because he stayed. Mm-hmm. So it's not bad. I just – Colorado's the clear favorite, and then I think the Blackhawks, Stars, Wild, Blues, and Jets are all like right in the mix of being just as kind of equally good as everybody in there. I just, I don't know what you see in the Hawks, man. Uh, okay, Vancouver, seventy-three points. Over, over. Yeah, take the over on that. Oliver Ekman Larson, baby. Yeah, that bet rolling. It's the yeah. OEL effect. <laughs> um. The Vegas Golden Knights, 120 points. Under. Yeah, under. They're, they're not, good, but They're under. good, but... Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Winnipeg, 92. Uh, over. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Uh, and I think... They added Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon. And I know that Brendan Dillon's like, kind of like whatever, but Nate Schmidt, I like him as a defenseman. Um, they, full they're season good depth of... defensemen. Yeah. Yeah. Very good they depth finally defense. did something with their defense, right? Like right. We've been trashing them forever because... That's Ever since exactly. uh, Bufflin left, they eh, were like, oh, well, let's just not worry about it. <laughs> Dylan Amello's <laughs> been good there, too. So Yeah, they they have raised the level of competent play in front of Connor Hellebuck, who is probably the best goalie in the league. 
Yeah, I think uh, he is the best goal in the league for sure. I I I, I understand every well, it's still Vasilevsky, but Connor Hellebuck has nowhere near the amount of support that Vasi has had. And I, I just think Connor Hellebuck has been incredible this last three, four years, man. I think there's Vasilevsky, Hellebuck, and then everybody below that right now. Yeah, that's close. And Hellebuck is closer to Vasilevsky than he is to the guys below him. Yeah. This can't right, have an American well, goaltender us, be good. I get it. That gets us through 32 teams. Well, I don't know if anybody he was going to put the, the Canadian's going to put the Russian over the American. Well, hey, we didn't, we didn't do Anaheim. Oh, correct. Sorry, uh, Anaheim. Uh, it says here uh burn in hell uh 63 points relegated to ahl play <laughs> yeah uh joined the second division swedish elite league man were they the Jake, they weren't there were they the lowest projected or uh no, second buffalo. lowest buffalo, buffalo lowest. had 54 they have 63 they are expected to be the second worst team in the league man it like i've part of me wants to say over because i think they'll finish around 70 points but under. Uh, I'll I'll say over, but I wouldn't be surprised. Under would be like that would be tough. Be I would love it to be over voice. or to be under. Have them be the worst team ever and then fall the third. I, the I think there's that a, would be so uh, bottom three of. I'll, I'll take. I'll take the over on it. I'll take the over on it. I'll take the under just to be a dick. <laughs> Well, that was fun. Now we got to go through this and, and make a list of what we all pick so we can laugh yeah, at each I'll other. Yeah, absolutely. I'll do that and we'll get it up and uh, we'll figure right. it out. Quick, who's your division winners from each division? Division winners from each division this year? Give me Tampa Bay, Colorado, baby. <sighs> That's Every what Colorado. I want. Metro, who's your Metro winner? Yeah, uh, Hurricanes, uh, Rangers, Flyers, Penguins, Caps, Islanders. I I I I'll take the Islanders. I just think, ah oh man, it's so hard God, not to. Pick the I hate picking them, but I think they are the best team in that division. Vegas for Pacific, probably. Uh yes. yeah, hundred percent. It feels like like obviously it's the Lightning and it's the Avs and it's Vegas and then the Metro yeah. you could debate between a couple teams, but it's probably uh, the Hurricanes. I'm going Toronto, Colorado for my Stanley Cup final. That is all I want. Toronto, that would be beautiful. That would be so much that fun would to be, watch. Colorado has to so there, much right? Fun. They have to this year. I, I mean, they have to in so much as, like, they have all their ducks. Like, they have the team right now. They're going to have about four or five years where they're still going to be the best team in the Western Conference, and they've got to make a run right now. Yeah, so it, they got to win it this year or next year. Yeah. So, to. you know, we had that whole argument before with Pat, me and Pat did about uh, Jonathan Gibson. And the one thing I will say to his point, as far as Colorado is concerned, if Darcy Cumper comes out and just starts looking awful over the first two or three months, I could see them uh, looking to upgrade that position. But I think it would require him to be very bad. Very They'll, be active. They'll be very active trying to add pieces because this is it for them. So, so Either way, right, it's going to be a fun year, boys, for Anaheim. we got a lot of guys that are at the end of their contracts. So, Hampus, yeah. Manson, Raquel, who moves? Should be fun. Just be called a trophy watch all year. So. Can't wait. He's at the contract. If that falls, like, I don't, I don't even want to get down this conversation. But if Seacus does not fight for the call, the trophy, this is going to be a tough year. <laughs> this is going to be really bad because yeah, a lot of people's is. hopes are just hinging on him being really good. Like Drysdale is going to be Drysdale, but he's not flashy and he's not going to, you know, on every night wow you. 
a lot of everybody's like hopes and dreams for this season rely on Trevor Zegers having a 40, 50 point Calder Trophy season. Let's let's hope that happens. That's all I ask. Zegers have an outstanding year, and the Ducks fix the power play. You could finish yep. low and have a good power play. I hope. Yeah, rank twentieth. I don't care. <laughs> Just don't be ranked last. Score some power play goals. Be like, be like bottom third in offense instead of dead last. So bad. All right, boys. It was a good time. And uh, shoot, are we going to do one next week or the week after? We go a week into the season. Yeah, we'll figure yeah. something out. We'll probably try to do a couple. We have there's a couple of other. We got pucks and brews coming about. up eventually yeah. as well. We got to do so, that for yeah. sure. So maybe we'll so. do a pucks and brews uh, midweek next week or the week after. But we'll get in there. All right, everybody. We are 10 days away from opening night uh, around the league. The home opener for the Ducks is the 13th. So you've got about a week and a half to get your shit in order. Uh, get your blood pressure medication. For six months, uh, you're all going to live in your basements. Um, Can't wait. We are very excited about this terrible season coming up, and uh, we will talk to you all later. Have a good one, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.